coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Japanese multinational conglomerate suffers exposure. Next up, the DOJ has fish to fry, specifically two domains they seized. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 88, recorded on June 7th, 2021. I'm your co-host Kelsey, not so pun-shy LaBelle. With me co-host Chad, exploited shutterbug Anderson. And last but not least, Tim, you said it was safe to click that link helming. And it's critical to know that you said is the acronym USAID. Well done, Tim. Well done, mm-hmm. Chad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel so so bad for the exploited shutterbug. That's a bummer. Shutterbug. Shutterbug. You know? Please sing more. <laughs> That's... Continue in verse two. <laughs> Are there any words to know other than shutterbug? <laughs> you know, that's all I got. It's like that old. Yeah. So you know what they're From saying the 40s, in the forties? Rag mop. <laughs> Rag mop. Do, 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 do. Rag mop. It's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, how is your week off, you two? It's been so long. Has or two so weeks. Much so I got much a has dog. happened. <gasps> yes. Tim, you have to tell our listeners about your dog. Well, it all started with the neighbor dog, Dwayne. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne is a sheepadoodle, which is a a pretty excellent breed of dog. And, uh, we decided that was what we wanted to have too. So, uh, we brought Sadie home, uh, last Tuesday and she is every bit the bundle of energy and puppy joy that you would think. So I'm pretty sleep deprived. So if I completely butcher my appearance on breaking badness this week, uh, <laughs> it's the dog's fault, but that's okay. I'll be the, I'll, I'll accept the punishment. How's your uh, couch and table legs looking so far? (laughs) You know, uh, those little teeth are pretty (laughs) sharp, but they, um, yeah, we're, we're, she's, she's kept in a, uh, a specific part of the house for now and she has a lot of chew toys. So, so far so good, but you know, we can keep checking in on that and we should probably have like a bar graph of damage to Tim's house. Uh, that, that we keep track of. Yeah, my parents did that with me. You know, certain sex of the house, good two toys. I, it was all fine. All the furniture came out. You didn't okay. need the furniture. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least you grew out of that. I think I'm still in that situation. I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh. Also, Tim, I feel like the sentence of it all started with um, our neighbor's dog Dwayne, and we got a sheepy doodle should be a perfect example to describe juxtaposition to children because there's nothing more serious than the name Dwayne and nothing more ridiculous sounding than the name (laughs) (laughs) Doodle. Well, I I like it too. Although I got to say, I don't necessarily uh, find Dwayne the most serious name out there, but uh, you know, it's, I mean, and meaning no offense to anyone named Dwayne, but there there seems like there's a lot of characters named Dwayne that are kind of fun and go lucky. And uh, it's like, it's a happy name. That's so funny. Dwayne is, Dwayne is somebody you want to hang out with. 
It was all in Dwayne. <laughs> I do find that dogs with people names are usually are bad dogs. That's uh, <laughs> one of my life rules. Oh, I, I don't know, because I will say that there's a dog named Buttercup down the block, and it was a riot last summer. We would hear both owners shouting, Buttercup, Buttercup, Buttercup. It was pretty obvious that Buttercup was running the show there. Oh, my gosh. I, I was so tempted to shout Buttercup from my own backyard. <laughs> <laughs> to see that next door app conversation. You know? Yeah, totally, right? <laughs> oh, my God, next door. Uh I, that's, oh. that's a cesspool, man. I don't, I don't, I was, I made the mistake of being signed up for that for a little while and, uh, in my other neighborhood and I have nothing to do with it now. And that's why you moved. <laughs> yeah. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, congratulations on your puppy Oh, thank and you. best of luck. <laughs> we'll try to keep you awake here. We'll do the best we can. I, Chad was pretty tired last time. So we're, we're on a rotation next week. I'll be exhausted. That's the plan. You'll have the puppy thing figured out by then, right, Tim? <laughs> well, I'm also flying solo. Holly isn't here, uh, um, nor are the kids right now. So um, the flying solo part is definitely part of it. Dominic seems to have it down. He's the dog whisperer. She sleeps through the night with him. So uh, as soon as he comes back, it'll be easier. I'll be more rested. <laughs> Does your son tire out the dog? It's a, it's a, an important and a practical skill. <laughs> yeah, and also the dog seems to tire out my son, so it's a mutual benefit there. Ooh, symbiosis in action. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we, you know, we have a lot of talk about per usual on the podcast, and the first is something that's near and dear to Chad's heart, so I hate to to do this. I shudder. Um, I shudder. Just thinking about it. All right, so Japanese multinational conglomerate suffers exposure. So Fujifilm is investigating a ransomware attack and has shut down portions of its network to prevent the attack's spread. Oh, snap. Oh, Chad, Chad, Chad. This hits you know so close to home. You love photography. You hate ransomware. I want to give you a moment to grieve. This is just for you on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. All I'm going to say is I'm pretty sure that this never would have happened if they didn't discontinue their Provia and 3000B instant line of films. Um, is that clear that said? this is retaliation from the ransomware people? People Check would still that be against too the note. Check that against the ransomware <laughs> note right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all your fault. Food. <laughs> Do you want to say anything more about that, Chad? I'm sorry to have cut you off. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I just... I'd still grieve for those films. <laughs> <laughs> so as somebody that is so dedicated uh, to photography, what is Fuji, what is Fujifilm known for? Yeah. So uh, Fuji is into so many different businesses now, but much like Eastman Kodak was in the U S they were the film monopoly for uh, in Japan for decades. So unlike Eastman Kodak, um, they saw everything that was coming and diversified intelligently and are still a functional business today. Uh, they do lots of imaging products, including digital camera lines in their legacy film business, um, which is still uh, booming and actually growing, which is wild, but they are also into biotech. Um, any other business, related to digital imaging or chemical processing and all the expertise that comes with that, right? Because they did years of photographic chemicals and emulsion. So that includes pharmaceuticals at this point. Um, and so they're quite a huge holding company these days. 
your photography passion is coming through. Mm-hmm. And Chad, you do film photography, right? Specifically? I do. I do. I do. That's very cool. I'm standing yeah. in my dark room right now. That's also my office and where we record. What came first, your interest in photography or having a dark room? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, probably, yeah, great question. All at the same time. That's what happens when you take those <laughs> high school photography courses and <laughs> go to school for photojournalism. There you go. So, so uh, do you, I mean, you have to get used to the smell of those chemicals. Do you come to love them or do they come to just fade away and you don't even notice them anymore? Um, I definitely still smell the fixer, uh, and I kind of like it, um, smells very (laughs) sulfuric and terrible. The only one that I don't like is the, um, selenium. And that's mostly because I know that if I get it on my skin, I'm going to have a bad time and you have to wear all these gloves and stuff when you do selenium toning. But that's the one that, um, I'm always very careful about where goggles and whatnot, the rest of them, I mean, I'll take a good whiff off the fixer just to kind of, you know, get a little head high. (laughs) It's a little bracing. Yeah. Hold on actually. I'm just imagining you in these like massive rubber gloves and those ridiculous goggles from like the fifties and just being like ah, 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 and holding your film with the selenium. Yeah, that's how it works. You know what you said about like sniffing the fixer sounds like a uh, sounds like something related to one of those fixer lawyer types that protects yeah, yeah. criminals and uh, and chasing them down. On NBC, sniffing the fixer is up next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's anyway. like the Friday night movie of the week or something. Changing yeah. the channel. <laughs> All right. So, Chad, what did Fujifilm reveal in their public statement? Because I believe that's how it was made known to the to the general public that this ransomware incident occurred. Yeah, they were uh, transparent and quick. Um, all the things that we like to look for. But they dropped that they had been investigating a ransomware incident and shut down a lot of their network following that. Um, the incident was a discovery of a Trojan on the network, which like many of the Trojans out there today is a precursor to a ransomware attack. Um, so these botnet authors, right, they do, um, well, there's like sometimes initial access brokers, any of these botnet authors, and that's handed off to these ransomware affiliates, and then they get a cut of all the money earned. It's kind of a tiered access system, I guess you could say. And they're all kind of working together. So when, once they discovered a Trojan on the network, they knew they were facing a ransomware incident is what I would guess. But uh, they posted on their website a message almost immediately and um, began getting to work. It's a hard time to be a USC fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what did uh, this ransomware attack, uh, what was the impact, we'll say? Yeah, so Fuji didn't uh, go into too many details on um, what happened at first, but it looked like it was just an external server based on that initial reporting. Um, But now it's come out that it was one of their networks in Japan um, that did indeed suffer from a ransomware attack. And as you've mentioned a few times, there's not a lot of publicly available information. Do we have any culprits as to who's behind this initial Trojan? Yeah, so it looks like, um, you know, and this is always kind of... uh, I don't know, shaky, depending upon the reporting you get by the time it's come out. But it looks like Cubot is the confirmed uh, official Trojan here. So good old Cubot. Um, in their recent update yesterday, Fuji did announce that they have not paid the ransom, however, and successfully recovered from backups with all their systems being back online now. So um, pretty exemplary to turn around from our network in Japan is affected to, or one of our networks in Japan is affected to fully restored from backups and recovered, um, you know, within what, 72 hours. 
See, this is the advantage to film. It's it's much harder <laughs> yeah. to do double extortion by putting those uh, negatives up on the uh, yeah. dark web forums. And double exposures are really difficult on film as well. So. Uh, yeah. There it is. Yeah, that was my joke uh, to friends. I was like, well, you know, you can solve this whole technology problem by just getting rid of the technology. Uh, that's that's the reason I do it is I'm just tired of it. Uh, at the end of the day. Yes, I remember one of our, uh, I think it was one of our IT guys saying that the conclusion of his security research on some matter or another was just nobody should ever connect to the internet ever for any reason. Yeah, great idea. Seems reasonable. <laughs> we'll be sending out vinyl 45s of Breaking Badness to <laughs> lucky listeners next week. I was actually sitting at brunch this weekend, and I heard a table of young kids, probably zillennials, uh, behind us. One of them asked, did you guys ever have a computer that wasn't connected to the internet? And uh, one of the, one of the gals next to him was like, I didn't know that was ever a thing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You, I was you like, all these kids. Zillennials. That's, I hadn't heard that generation name. Yeah, they're the like in between uh, Gen Z and millennials, I think. You know, it all, it turns over so fast now. Um, I just... It, by not being on TikTok, I have no idea uh, what the current generation is or what they're doing. <laughs> no, yes, Chad, that's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what do we know about Qbot? It's come up a few times on the podcast. So just as a quick refresher for listeners. Yeah. So uh, Qbot is one of those Trojans or rather the operator behind it is one of those operators that lends their botnet to ransomware affiliate groups. Right. So uh, in the current instance, Qbot is working with Revil most of the time, um, but they've worked with other big names in the past. Right. Like Egregor, um, which kind of came out of the Maze group. Um, if you remember Maze from our earlier episodes or even we've spoken about Egregor before as well. Um, and also of note is that Qbot is over a decade old now this year when I went to go. Um, look up initial uh yeah samples and infections i'd seen so that's a long time running um yeah a decade of uh you know being jerks cubot's grandmother is pinching its cheeks and talking about how tall it's become yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i also like i kind of like you know cubot only for the reason that it reminds me of a uh, robot roll call from mystery science theater it's like cambot trixie tom servo Crow? Anybody? No? Okay. It, it reminds uh, me of Qbert. <laughs> oh, Qbert. Also good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, not to go too serious on you, but of course, ransomware now has like a permanent residency on this podcast. It might as well, it might as well be one of our segments. So what can we be doing to fight this thing? I'm, I'm frankly running out of new questions to ask you two about ransomware because we just talk about it every single <laughs> week yeah it's got tenure now so it can't be fired um it's unfortunate well but uh i you know i think we'll hopefully see some developments in the os security space that makes ransomware less of a problem i know someone has to be working on some mitigations at this point um it's just a matter of time and way smarter people than um you know me certainly looking into that um but as of right now uh yeah we kind of have to do a ransomware roundup each week we can't not talk about it because they are the big security stories of the week like we keep seeing you know huge companies getting popped like the uh Pisa ransomware this morning i saw had 30 new victims on their uh leak site you know and it's just Avedon had like a half dozen over the weekend. So there's just constantly something going on and these leaks coming out. Um, and maybe that's what'll 
end up changing, right? Is we'll get so fatigued by these leaks that no one really cares anymore or something. And then the uh, ransomware authors fade into obscurity. I could only hope for uh, such a thing. But I, I don't think it's something some government policy or politicking can fix. Um, but like we are seeing a little bit of progress, right? Like um, it was a little late to be picked up for this week's podcast, but news dropped um, about a Latvian international being um, arrested for being an operator of the TrickBot botnet, which is, you know, hugely notorious, um, leads to Ryuk and Conti infections, which are the, um, you know, most uh, Ryuk's the fastest kind of infections um, that you see and Conti is probably the most numerous. Um, so real interesting to watch that space see what happens there in light of this trouble and um, how the ransomware gangs will respond depending upon the prosecution of that case. But um, yeah, as of right now, it just seems like ransomware is here to stay. Oh boy. Well, without further ado, let's get into our hoodie ratings, which if this is the first time you're tuning in, um, just know that this is a rating basically of how bad or impactful um, a certain incident or article we're discussing is. So this is from zero to 10 hoodies, which is of course playing up the, the cliche of the hacker and the hoodie. And so 10 is very bad. Just want to make sure new listeners are in the loop. So with that, Tim, after hearing Chad and his bleeding heart for Fujifilm, what would you rate this at? Well, um, you know, this is a, in a way, this is a good news, bad news story, right? Because they Fuji recovered from backups, and there doesn't seem to be any double extortion component to this. Um, so this is, and they haven't paid the ransom because uh, they didn't need to and because they knew they shouldn't anyway. So there's a bunch of good things built into this. Plus, I'm guessing this was not, you know, well, they they were fairly well prepared. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe this wasn't the worst ransomware attack you could see. So out of, I think we're, we're having a grade on a curve at this point because, you know, a couple of years ago, I might've given this like a seven or an eight or something. I'm going to give it like a five because to get up to 10 hoodies these days, you've got to do, uh, you got to do something that sadly that the victim has a very hard time recovering from, uh, if they can at all. So yeah, I'm going to go with five. We've been hardened by life, and it, it shows in our hoodie ratings. <laughs> Chad, what would your rating be? You know, I would do a single 35 millimeter hoodie. Oh, nice. <laughs> do you want to explain what that means to our listeners? Uh, no, if they don't know, they can go Google the, it. The <laughs> well, don't, yeah. don't Google 35 millimeter hoodie because you probably won't find a whole lot, but well, who knows? Yeah. Oh, you you really want me to explain? Okay, fine, fine. Uh, Thirty five <laughs> millimeters. <laughs> the the width of the uh, it's the one of the widths of film stock. So, um, thirty five millimeter film is the common uh, three to two ratio that you see. Uh, and that your like iPhone and everything else still takes because what our eye is used to seeing. Even though there were many different sizes of film over the years and still today. You're welcome, kids. That was kids. beautiful. Yeah. I wish we had a special little tune to play when we're edumacating, because that, that should have been playing in the background, like a little little pop-up chad, an audio <laughs> pop-up. You're about to learn something. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> 
Okay, well, moving right along. Thank you both for that, especially you, Chad, for diving in there. Next up, we have the DOJ has fish to fry. So the U.S. Department of Justice has seized two domains used in recent phishing attacks impersonating the U.S. Agency for International Development, you said, to distribute malware and gain access to internal networks. So, Tim, for starters, which domains were seized by the DOJ and do we know how they were used? Uh, yes. So please, if you're listening to this, do not visit theyardservice.com or worldhomeoutlet.com. Of course, if you did visit them now, no harm would come to you because they've been seized. So I guess what I should say is that if you uh, have logs of any traffic to those domains prior to May 28th, you've got some IR work to do. So these domains were involved with uh, malware and uh, related tooling like Cobalt Strike. Uh, the Yard Service one seems to have been the initial infection uh, after the victim was spearfished. And then there were certain subdomains of the Yard Service, as well as that other domain world, homeoutlet.com, uh, that were download servers for Cobalt Strike. And how did the DOJ come across these domains then? Yeah, so they had been observed as part of this uh, spear phishing campaign. And the lure in the campaign was a special alert message seeming to come from USAID and uh, a legit USAID account uh, at an email marketing company was what enabled this spear fish. And the email had a link to one of those domains. So it was pretty easy to follow the trail from there. And it was also the work of a group that they've been uh, kind of watching anyway for a while. I always feel, you know, I we talked about a few episodes ago, like what ransomware would smell like. I feel like every time I hear the words the and lure together, that would be like an infosex scent, like a cologne or a perfume, like the lure. The lure. It would smell That's very sweet yeah. at first, <laughs> but then not so much. <laughs> oh, kind of like one of the rooms at DEF CON. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, so any sense of who controls, or I should say, con who controlled this infrastructure? Yeah. Uh, so they're attributing this campaign to a group that Microsoft calls Nobelium. And um, we're kind of burying the lead here, but uh, everybody may have heard about the spear phishing campaigns from the nice people who brought you the solar winds incursion, and that's Nobelium. So, uh, and they were, you heard them referred to as Solorigate um, when the solar winds news first broke, but it's uh, Nobelium. Da, da, da. <laughs> just a little bit more into that, actually, Tim, because I just had a follow-up question on, you know, can you brush up on this particular APT? Because as you mentioned, they have been pretty busy, pretty, pretty busy. Yeah, so uh, once it was Microsoft's assessment that the actors behind SolarWinds were state-sponsored, which, you know, to be honest, didn't really take that long to determine, um, they went with their pattern of uh, identifying the group by an element name. And it made me realize that we're going to need the people at CERN to um, spend some time on, on that collider that they have to create some new elements uh, because we're going to run out of little squares on the periodic table at some point as new threat actors come on the scene and Microsoft is going to need some new elements, especially for that. So, uh, But as you would expect from a state-sponsored actor, the targeting um, appears to have been things like government organizations and NGOs, military, um, IT service providers, 
solar winds, um, healthcare providers, telecoms. So it's a pretty wide swath of different kinds of organizations, but in each of those categories, it has the potential to deliver some high value targets. Woof. And how do they actually go about doing that in this situation when it comes to conducting the phishing campaigns that leverage the domains we were talking about? Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, this was this special alert email that came from a legit address that was tied to USAID. Um, Remember, there was a compromised account here. So if the victim fell for the lure, um, which at least in one instance, like that that, uh, Microsoft published it, the sort of... uh, Lure within the lure was Donald Trump releases new documents related to his false claims of election fraud. So if they clicked on the link to learn more about that, um, it would take them first to a legitimate domain that's run by Constant Contact, and that's the email marketing firm where they uh, gained unauthorized account access. And then, but from there, it redirects uh, to that the yardservice.com domain, and that begins the process of downloading and chaining the tooling that they use to get into the victim network. Wow. So with all of this in mind, how big of a win was this for the DOJ to seize these domains? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And to be honest, it's hard to say. Um, On the one hand, you always love to see these takedowns and uh, to know that some evil infrastructure has been retired, taken offline. on the other hand, I did a little bit of digging around in Iris, starting with those two domains, and I found a lot of sketchy infrastructure with pretty strong ties to the two that were seized. And, you know, as it goes with these things, it would take more analysis than I've personally had time to do to definitively prove the connections. But in general, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think it's safe to say that two domains don't represent the totality of Nobelium's holdings. Uh, in fact, probably not even the full extent of this spear phishing campaign. So if folks have seen traffic to those domains, uh, even now when they're kind of inert, if I were them, I would definitely set up some alerts and, and do some retro hunting on the domains that were not seized, but that do show strong connectivity to the ones that were, because any traffic to those assets does tend to indicate that something bad is going on. Even if that badness that's going on isn't Nobelium uh, itself, the risk scores of these other domains are so high that it's very probable that they, there's some sort of evil connected. So go out there and do your irising uh, or your however you like to explore connected uh, adversary infrastructure because they're, uh, I think this was the tip of the proverbial iceberg in terms of um, what's supporting these campaigns. Based on what Tim just said there, which sounded uh, like it wasn't a full win per se, there's definitely a lot more that's attached and can be leveraged against victims. What would you rate this at, Chad? Yeah, you know, I'd probably put this at like uh, 102 out of 118 known elements. (laughs) What a noble answer. Wow, wow, wow. The, the thing I'm panicking about most is we've only got 16 elements left, Microsoft. Like, you're going to have to, do they get to name the uh, anything else that makes it to the periodic table? Um, See, I guess if they hire somebody with a, a collider and then they create these new elements that, you know, that have half lives of like 
a nanosecond. Uh, maybe if they're the ones that fund it, then they should they should have naming rights. Oh yeah, Gatesium. Gatesium. Um, no, you know what their last album? Well, no, be it's called, right? uh, the, the uh, it's. This is Microsoft, right? So they're not going to name something bad Gatesium. They'll they'll name it Bazonium or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of, didn't he he announced today that he is going into space with his brother next week? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's that's the last we'll see of them. They're like just going to go colonize Mars or start a asteroid colony somewhere you know when when he sings fly me to the moon it's got a whole different meaning from when most people do. <laughs> yeah that's actually um pretty high confidence in your relationship with someone like you know would you take a road trip with your family yeah would you go into space with your family that's yeah. that's commitment <laughs> yeah i think they're primed for problems here <laughs> what could go wrong Family therapists ever are like, can't wait till they come back. <laughs> so much to unravel. <laughs> Bezos' brother's fist fight <laughs> devolves into hitting the wrong switch and killing the mission. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I really hope that it's just like actually the spheres just take off from the middle of Seattle. <laughs> and then just that's what they're in. It, all along, it was just a large cover up for an alien spaceship. Like, we're going back is, to our people. That is amazing. Uh, yes. That, so people <laughs> should probably search that and uh, see what we're talking about. If you haven't been to Seattle and seen these things, they look like what would do exactly that in some uh, some movie. Yeah. So Will Smith will just be sure chasing that, after him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what you want to make sure the coffee shop was embedded in there and he's bringing some plants up with him. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. I think that's a pretty sound theory, Chad. Full habitat. <laughs> Habitat. So what's what's your rating? Not in terms of periodic elements. <laughs> um, uh, well, I mean, for serious rating on this show, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I I'm actually really really excited for um, a bunch of things that are coming down the pipeline from the DOJ. Uh, you know, it's kind of felt. Um, for a while that we haven't had uh, much activity going against um, cybercrime actors and, um, you know, APT groups. And we're getting a lot all at once right now. And I really like it. I hope it just means that we're seeing a higher cadence of investment in uh, cyber, right? And um, taking those things down. And with um, the ransomware task force, of course, um, you know, being um, one thing, Alan Liska, who we ha- we've had on this show is a part of that, I believe. Um, and then also seeing, you know, uh, all of ransomware coming up um, as raised in prominence and importance, I guess, um, by the U.S. government. Um, it hopefully means that all of cyber will kind of come up with that, right? Because all these things are tied together in the end. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, independent elements. So... All that said, um, I'd go with, you know, negative five hoodies maybe here because um, we're into the goodie scale, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah, it feels great. feels great to have some movement on um, actual, uh, yeah, like justice being served. <laughs> The department of it. Yeah, the whole there's a whole department. Um, yeah, and there, yeah. That seems like a great uh, idea. Is that new? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this these are the people behind Dogecoin, right? Uh, is it a <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh my gosh. Tim, what do you think? Well, I hadn't really, I was thinking of this first in a bit in isolation. Um, but I like the way Chad is seeing this as part of a bigger pattern of, of good stuff coming out of the, uh, DOJ coin people. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go along with, uh, Instead of being a contrarian, uh, I'll just go right along and say, yeah, I agree. This is like five goodies or five negative hoodies. It's, um, it would be higher if there was more confidence. I, I believe that um, more of the infrastructure had been taken down. On the other hand, it is possible that these two are, are kind of not connected to those other things I found. So who knows? But put me down for five. Done and done. I would also like to say if anyone from, well, if anyone listening, really, if the DOJ does create their own cryptocurrency for commissary, the DOJ coin, uh, I expect to be a part of that ICO. So um, just <laughs> as an aside note, just I invented it. It's here. Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Dogecoin. Oh, gosh. Well, that concludes the educational part of our podcasts now where we all try to rip each other to shreds with our game two truths and a lie so as this game goes very similar to two truths and a lie but rather than talking about ourselves of course we're looking at three articles from this past week um and one of us hosts this week it's myself you're sharing them and the other two hosts tim and chad will be guessing and there is some you know skin in the game there's some points so um are you two ready for the articles? Let's do this. All right. Bring it. <laughs> Article number one. Flipping the scripts. Hospital successfully blocks ransomware attack. Article number two. Users know WhatsApp. They cave in and won't limit features if you reject their privacy changes. Article number three, meat giant has a beef with ransomware attack, but is now back and fully operational. This completes our articles for the week. Is that first one that flipped the script? Is that a prescription joke? It is a Scripps, S-C-R-I-P-P-S hmm. institution See, that, joke. That's cool. Uh -huh. But it could Indeed. it could almost work as script also. It's, it's kind that's of almost true. double... Double entendre, I like that. A double, a quadruple entendre, which is, you know, that's like double extortion ransomware for Chad. Two puns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the second one again? Um, users know WhatsApp. Oh, yes. They yes. cave in, and they being WhatsApp. Right. Hmm. I mean, I definitely want... Uh, I, I want the first two both to be true because those are good things. Uh, and the third one, um, is not a good thing, even though it, they're, I guess they're back up and running, um, uh, assuming that third one is true. So I don't know. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the. The hospital flipping the scripts, um, even though I want it to be true, I don't know. I'm just, I just have this bit of a feeling. Uh, um, no, I don't. I take it back. I think the second one's a lie. That's it. Put me down for number two. 
I'll take the consequences, whatever they are. That's a number two for Tim. Got it. Yeah, I just don't feel that uh, Facebook, as the ownership of WhatsApp, would ever have uh, some sort of design pattern where you could reject the policy and, uh, you know, not be exploited as a user. It just doesn't really sound to be in Facebook's purview. Also, uh, how has there not been a Super Bowl advertisement for WhatsApp yet that matches the old Bud Light uh, WhatsApp commercial? WhatsApp! Big, who's failing in that marketing? Seriously, <laughs> like either, either Anheuser Bush could make out like bandits by licensing them uh, the ability to use that, or if they don't have to do that, then they could just make a hilarious ad. You're onto something there. Yeah, yeah. This is agreed. Hmm. If there's something to take away from this podcast, that's it. DOJ coin. <laughs> What's that Bud Light promotional? <laughs> Uh, this is what WhatsApp playing. article is a lie. That's those are my three points for um, this exit. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> a mixed bag emotionally for you two, Chad. You'll be happy to know that you actually can do that on WhatsApp. You can reject their privacy changes, and you can still access their app. So Facebook <laughs> has thwarted your expectations. Wow. Um, Zuckerberg and- wasn't informed of this. <laughs> he's he's on his way up to space too. He's good. <laughs> he's gonna find a brother and go up there. Um, let's see, Tim. Unfortunately, your initial instinct was correct. Um, Scripps Hospital was ransomware, but they did not block the attack. So that was, in fact, the lie. Ah, uh, <sighs> it's the old. It's a it's a it's a real story, but a detail in it is. Uh, is the lie. Well done, Kelsey. <laughs> Evil. Thank you. I shouldn't have. See, I should have gone with my first. Go with your gut, people. That's yeah. right. That's I always say. That's why I always order too many tacos. <laughs> There's no such thing as too many tacos, Chad. You take that back. Great <laughs> <Thanks> to differ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, hey, thank you both for a great episode. I hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, listeners. And of course, we'll be back for episode number 89 next Wednesday. And we look forward to speaking to you. (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone. Ciao. Ciao, ciao for now. (laughs) See you later, host Gator. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>